So our first Coach Talk episode. It's episode 29 of the podcast. It's Coach Talk number one. And this Coach Talk is with Mr. John Demmer, myself, Coach Frank, and we are talking about the triggerless shot. How do you start going down the path of a triggerless shot? Um, there's a lot of good information. There's a lot of good insight. Um, all we can say is, I, I can tell you from myself, this has been game-changing consistency um, and comfort at full draw. Um, I can tell you it's worked well for the youth shooters that I work with and the adult shooters I'm coaching in person and remotely. Um, it's obviously worked well for Mr. John Demmer. We encourage you to listen to this episode with an open mind and reach out to us if you have any questions. Um, but if you're going down a path of shooting a triggerless barebow shot and you want to be able to have the comfort of aiming and the consistency of the aforementioned, this is where you start. Good luck. Thanks for supporting us. Hey, and don't forget, check out our Patreon page. Exclusive opportunities. Uh, lots of discounts from Patreon sponsors and all kinds of stuff. So check that out. That'll be in the details of the podcast. Thanks. What's going on, Bearbow Project? This evening's episode is brought to you by Carmelo's Roman Delight. Hope everybody's well. Um, Mr. Demmer is running a little late. That's all right. Um but we're going to get the uh, the conversation started in short no, in short time anyway. We'll let people log on. Hope everybody's doing well. This is sort of a um, the evening special of a coffee talk, except changing it up a little bit because this is very very specific topic. It's about the triggerless shot, the way that John Demmer shoots, the way that I'm now shooting. Um, I would say it's probably the um, safe to say that Grayson shoots that way, Maggie shoots that way, and we want to. We're going to open the discussion on how to learn and um, you know, kind of start the tone of how do you learn it? What do you teach? What things do you got to hear? What do you got to focus on? So on and so forth. Looks like JD3 is here. I know he's driving, so I don't know what his audio is going to be like, but we'll give it a go anyway. <clears throat> you got me, John. He's trying to log in. You there, buddy? If you guys are logging in, that are uh, coming in and watch this live, let us know that you're watching. Um, and by all means, post the comments. If you happen to be, I know Bede was going to, was pretty excited because he's not working. Um, so, you know, hop in on the, uh, the live feed and tell me what, you, if you got bourbon, tell me what you got. You got coffee. Got a, soda you got a whatever you know let me know there's a very very dark jd3 <laughs> are you uh you driving dude audio is connecting now i'm not gonna rush through it see if you can get connected john
I think he's 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 uh, having a hard time getting connected, and no worries if if that's the case. Well, um, when he gets home, he can he can hop in on the call. So, um, the the initial discussion on this scenario. Um, let me let me just move this screen over real quick, everyone. Um, is the this idea of a trigger shot. I think the thing that, one of the things that we notice is that there's not a lot of people out there actively teaching it and saying, hey, this is how you shoot a triggerless shot. Instead, what you get is you get a variation of Olympic recurve form and no definitive process that goes with it. Um, so I think that the thing that I've been working on the most since indoor nationals and trying to, um, not get away from all of NTS, but get away from the things that I thought that was hurting my ability to consistently hold in the middle, um, and have a really repeatable release. Um, and that's one of the things or one of the things that like significantly changed is having an active hold rather than an active pull um, on, on the shot itself. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about a little bit first before we kind of dive into anything in, in depth. <clears throat> All of you that happen to you know you i'm sure you watch like slow motion videos and um there he is oh stupid phone not on wi-fi <laughs> do you have 4g uh i do all right well i mean <laughs> you didn't did you no have idea. to pull over what's that you have to pull over i'm i'm uh in walmart parking lot i was just gonna say like if you wanted to go home first it's fine it's no big deal but i appreciate oh. you taking the time out and i'm a ways away from home so oh are you copy that buddy copy that no worries <laughs> so i started getting in and and i when i posted the um the live feed notice it was talking about the active hold versus active pull you know and was sort of leading into the discussion. And, and one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot since I changed my form and like having the ability to hold the tip of the arrow in the middle is super, super crucial. And by actively pulling kind of like what we see in Olympic recurve, a little bit more like that dynamic movement that we talk about, how that leads to the bow arm wanting to move. And that's what I started uh, was kind of loading, loading this conversation into and, and leading with. Um, I think we, we struggle, people struggle to understand that the active pull of pulling through a clicker and that it's almost like an aggressive expansion is, is what people often do, but it's not necessarily what you need to do in order to shoot, but it, that's what we see all the time. And I think people automatically think that that dynamic movement on the back side is where the active pull comes from because they think that that big motion is going to ultimately result in, well, that's my back tension. Um, but we notice that my biggest thing that I've noticed since switching to less of a dynamic, uh, more of an active hold at full draw rather than this idea that I have to keep pulling is that it enables me to just hold the tip of the arrow in the middle. It's almost like shooting a hinge, but not shooting a hinge in some ways, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, we're still pulling. Yeah. I mean, we can't, we can't get that confused. Um, we're still pulling, but we're not, it's not super aggressive. Um, we don't, you know, it's not the wild follow through and stuff, but we are still pulling a little bit. It's just not, dominating the shot right that's a that's a great way to put it it's not dominating the shot and I, I mean and even brady in in that and i refer to the video all the time because the concept of it nor the words that he uses are great 
he talks about like he pulls, he comes into his anchor, he watches the tip of the arrow at the clicker. And once he gets there, he finishes it. He just, it's, he says it's more of a hold. It's, he's not actively pulling. It's just more of a hold because by nature of the tension in your body, if your alignment is correct, your that that tension in your body kind of builds and you continue to hold you have or you continue to get the the feeling that you're pulling you're not you're not necessarily like pulling like and if you guys notice like i just did it and, I, and there's a video about tension and direction and, and finding 50 50 on the youtube page this is the part where in my opinion from a coaching standpoint and what i see most often is that our body wants to even everything out. So the bow arm pressure and the pulling on this side, in my opinion, needs to be as close to similar as possible. Um, how do you describe, John, how do you describe how you hold your bow arm so still in the middle? Uh, well, go back to what you said, like, we, our body wants to naturally balance everything out. And that's why usually when you see someone with a, an extreme dynamic follow through really hard, super hard, you also see their bow arm poop, plopping, you know, back and forth because they're push, they're push, pulling really hard. So their body wants to pull or push really hard. So that's what they, that's why they do that. And I'm more of a very moderately pull and very moderately push. And that's why I think everything stays pretty balanced and doesn't really move a whole lot. Yeah, but I think that that's, I think being moderate is as high as I would go as far as like a descriptive term to say. I would even think that somebody who has that active bow arm and that, and that's what we're going to use the words for. If you have target panic and you are struggling with aiming in the middle and you're pulling drive-bys, let me also say, that you can you can shoot good scores with many drive-bys. There's no question. I just don't think that you're going to have a, a very high level of consistency with it. You're going to do this. Um, and that swing is going to be bigger until you sort of really take the challenge to shoot this way. Um, but like what John was saying, like a moderate pull, and I use the word an active hold, but it sort of means the same thing for my... Um, from what I'm trying to explain, but the same with the bow arm, your goal, if you want the bow arm to not move, we're talking about how the body evens things out. You don't want the bow arm to move after the shot. So like you aren't thinking in the future, but your goal is for you to facilitate the shot of the bow and let the bow do the work, kind of take yourself out of the equation, just hold it. And if you don't want this bow arm to move, then this half you need to find what your 50-50 is. If you're going to have a big dynamic bow arm, you're going to have a big dynamic release in the back. Um, and I think that's where there's a, some big confusion because you see people talk about push-pull. I, I, and I don't, I don't think it's that they're perceiving it wrong. I just think that in Olympic recurve, because of shooting a clicker, we see that you can get away with more of a active pull that, that, that you can compensate for like maybe in the back with a little bit of other muscles that you add into the shot process to get through the clicker and still be okay because you're aiming with a pin, you're holding it in the middle or somewhere near the middle and you're letting the clicker do the work. You know what I mean? And I think in barebow, that's why people struggle because they're still doing, adding all of those extra muscles in they're maybe they're a, like Olympic recurve. You can kind of get away with your alignment being a little bit off and still shoot decent. And I think in bare bow, um, alignment well, is we don't have, crucial. We don't have those stabilizers, you know, V bars and long rods to slow the bow down. So we have to be way more smooth about things. That's a good point. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. And I know I got, I got people to argue that oh, the arrow's well past the bow before we even move anything. And that's, that's not true. We influence that thing before the arrow gets through. I agree. I think by buildup of tension, the buildup of tension. Well, I mean, it's a prime example of if you're shooting like mini drive-bys. I did it for almost two years. You can get as close to you once in the middle and try to 
release, you know, as you get to that six o'clock hole or as you get to the middle, you have to essentially rely on your body to time your release and your bow arm at the same time. And I know there's people listening to this. We have like quite a few viewers. I know there's people out there who know exactly what I'm talking about or those moments where you get stuck low. So because you are too, you're, you're determined to shoot the shot the right way. However, you're not realizing that, oh, my, the mental pattern of I'm just going to drive by and let it go is, is, is bad news. You're just training yourself to shoot a crappy shot instead of letting down, starting over. And that's where the problem lies. If you don't know how to start over, you're going to struggle. And if you don't have this idea of, you know, an active hold, a moderate pull, we're kind of using those, I'm using those for those that listen to this in a Grayson, Grayson commented and said, what's up losers. He should be on this is what he should be doing, but you know, whatever he, he explains it well. Um, it's, it's, it's this idea that dial back the movement, like take the approach that you're going to dial back the movement. If people are having, I started saying it before I kind of, you know, squirrel some other topic when your big bow arm is moving, when you're moving in the back, I have found that working with shooters who are struggling to hold in the middle is try to almost actively get rid of all of the movement. You almost force the hand a little bit, but, um, to not move it moves anyways but yeah i just I, if i started putting a list down and wanted to come up with like the top three things that if you're going to if your goal is to shoot a triggerless shot like what are the top three things that you think a shooter should work on in order for that to happen if you just they don't have to be in a specific order just in general mm. Oh, control of your body. You have to, oh, it's it, the, the more relaxed I am when I'm aiming, the less giddy up I get in my release fingers. If that uh, makes sense. Yeah. So that's like that negative tension thing that I always talk about. Get rid of the excess stuff that you do. Don't do all the extra stuff. Get rid of it. Um, if, yeah, so I, I'll agree with that. I, I put down, like I started jotting down a list. And I, I guess in the same sense, I I said alignment as one of them. You can't be like this, trying to aim on target and expect to shoot a trigger of a shot. It's just not going to happen. You, you have to maximize the biomechanical advantage of your body to hold that belt full draw. Um, what would you say? What would you say is another one? I put down uh, a hole direction direction of release and uh end position um that's Um, what you want to if you want to be consistent and group the best triggerless triggerless i think that's something that has to be done so direction of release and bow arm yeah uh yeah more more importantly direction so the the, for me the bow arm is already set up in in alignment and and as soon as i as soon as i get to anchor um, but the direction and, and end position of your follow through for me anyway, right. that's, that's a very good key, key for me to be consistent with a triggerless shot. So you really focus on making sure that that, that release hand and your, your release hand is super consistent. You're, you're letting the string do the work. So your hand's not moving forward and you try I guess every once in a while it does happen. I've noticed it now. Every once in a while you get a little bit antsy and you will add into letting it get through, but you're letting the string do the work by boom. You know, it's, it's just a, you know, it's really the part where the subconscious takes over. Would you agree? Like at the whole, for the most part, tension on the fingers, conscious tension on the fingers, you know, conscious tension on the fingers and the aim's happening and then that subconscious says oh yep you're calm boom and that's it but nothing else happens after that 
I'm I'm a little bit more different. I'm a little right. bit more unique in that aspect. I almost kind of force my fingers open sometimes. <laughs> I think you can see that. I, I'm, I'm the uh, exception to the rule, I think. If I could let it force through my fingers, I would much rather do that. But. It's definitely difficult. Have you noticed, since you've kind of shot this way for a long time, and I think the thing that I've noticed that my bow arm, if I train it and make sure that my bow arm doesn't move that even on like the crappy release shots you still get a favorable arrow yeah it's not a great good. arrow but a favorable arrow yeah much better than what it would have been oh yeah so and, and that's another thing i think people um people probably struggle with this idea you know that you're constantly if you have a big release hand you're constantly fighting timing of the release with the bow arm of the release with the bow arm it is so not that it's not possible it's definitely possible to have you know a good positive direction big movement release with a steady bow arm but you're gonna have to train the crap out of it to get it to work i think years and years and years of struggle to get it i don't know i just in working with shooters and seeing seeing the struggle and watching kids specifically develop the first when i taught um maggie was after joe had nationals and i really taught her like to shoot this way and you saw her shoot when we shot field like it her shot's completely different than it was it's changed dramatically and the first thing that she said after about nine maybe 12 arrows she said I can't believe how well I can aim them. I mean, and that, that was sort of like the anxiety goes away of aiming when you're just generally shooting. I think, you know, competition wise, you might get some of that anxiety back, but that's where that, as long as you're holding and you force the release, you know, just a little bit in competition, listen, if that arrow tips in the middle and the bows, the bow arm doesn't move, it's going to go somewhere near the middle if your tune is right, you know, but um, that's good. Anything else that you off the top of your head, just as a general note would, would say like, is something super important. We talked about alignment or being relaxed. We talked about release hand and bow arm or bow hand, whatever tension and direction that making sure that it's repeatable. Boom, bow forward toward the target. Anything else that you can think of or things that you do that people who struggle with the idea of a trigger, triggerless release or triggerless shot, I'm sorry, would you would recommend? Uh, some form of passive aiming, like not super, super hardcore. Like it can't be the end all, be all end all, or you'll get panicky and start flinching and stuff. But if you keep it, somewhat passive it's still there but you try to make it as passive as possible you're usually your release is a lot more smoother yeah i think that's i think um people in their peripheral vision they're still looking down range but they're still focusing too much on the end of the tip of the arrow you and i had that uh, a message conversation about that a little bit where um we were talking about shooting in the wind and how like in the wind, sometimes you have to aim a little bit harder. And um, I forget, we were talking about it today when we shot field together. And I, I, and I know it's the pictures of our groups because you had like eight tens and like two nines and like one eight. And then my group was all within like half of the eight ring and in but I had like two tens and everything was floating like on the same spot around the nine. And I said, if I aim too hard, I get like, I get kind of flinchy. Like I, if I aim hard, I, I look at the tip of the arrow more and I want to control it. And with a more of a passive aim, it's just easier to make the shot or execute the shot. Maybe over time, as you get more comfortable with it, like you are, you can probably aim harder, but I think that's got to be a trained thing. I don't think that you can just do it out of the gate. I think it's something that over time you can develop. Grayson said, 
uh, he commented, he said, be still, be calm, get cozy, letting the arrow sit in the gold. And while you're um, at it, be still. For some reason, he thought that was funny. I see a lot of movement, a lot of unnecessary watching others shoot. Um, and he said about agreeing with you about passive aiming. So I guess, how would you describe passive aiming for people who are listening to this and are looking for, um, you know, help? How would you describe passive aiming? Let's see if I can, I could probably show it. Okay. A little bit better. So say you got the, the bullseye here, right? Mm-hmm. And this is your arrow. So passive aiming is just like, eh, eh, this, I guess this is the best way. So my goal is to shoot it when the arrow's right there. So right. passive aiming would be like, eh, da, 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 da. boom, gone. Where a hardcore aiming would be like, and you just try to hold it, hold it, hold it. And when you try to hold it like super hard, you know, it, that's when we get a little bit flinchy. But passive is just let it, let it sit there and float around a little bit. It's going to move. You know, you can't, you're never going to be able to keep it 100% still. But, you know, as long as you just let sit there and just let it, let it, let it do its thing, you know, and then whenever you're ready to go, you just let her go. Um, that's more passive for me where hard, you know, hard aiming is just like you're trying everything in your power to keep it there. Now I'll hardcore aim when I'm doing holding drills. Right. I think yeah, that yeah. will, I, I think that will help with the, uh, you know, with the stabilizing muscles and whatnot of yep. trying to like ingrain it in your head to hold it as close as you can. Yeah. Yeah, I'll even do those during a tournament. Like if I if I shoot an arrow that's pretty quick, I'll I'll force myself to do a, a, a draw hold and just get to um, get to the point where you're comfortable holding in the middle. And I think that's the first step for people who struggle with drive buys. I think that's the first step for you to work on your target panic is like we talked about work on that alignment remove the the negative tension be as relaxed as possible full draw and learn to hold in the middle learn to hold and get comfortable with it um ted straub commented and he's asking or i don't know if he's asking yeah he's asking he said is it a fine line between passive aiming and drive buys in my opinion i don't think it is I think once you get it and understand what passive aiming is, um, passive aiming is sort of like shooting a compound and you're just continuing to pull, and I, there I go using that word, but pull through the shot and the tip or the, the point just kind of floats back and forth, maybe figure eight-ish, you know, in, in the tenoring or inside the gold. You know, my float is like edge of the nine to edge of the nine. In barebow, John, yours is like ten to ten, right? Like that. It's, it's not that wide. Good, good, good days is probably nine and a half to nine and a half. Maybe, maybe average days. Mm-hmm. Bad days will be eight to eight. Yeah, yeah. My good days are like maybe nine to nine. It might bounce out like once or so, but usually once it bounces out, I'm good. Like it's. I've also noticed that there's moments where if you have you have a flinch and then after the flinch it's for whatever reason it's so easy to just it goes right there and then all of a sudden you're good because you you flinched and you reminded yourself no you got a hold and then all of a sudden you can sit there in the middle because you're focused on the hold and then the arrow goes in yeah and you and you better not shoot after you flinch no 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 yeah (laughs) oh i mean i i I have i I have and i'm it's definitely not a great habit (laughs) <laughs> but there's there's also going to be moments for some people. I mean, I've watched you have, I don't call it, I'll call it a small, like I'm talking like a little tiny, like, whoop. like I'm not talking like a, you know what I mean? But I've seen you do that like on camera, but you have to shoot it because you have 30 seconds. Yeah, if there's time constraints, you got to do what you got to do. You're right, right. Oh, we, gotta, we must have a thunderstorm rolling through the light. This guy's lighting up. Is it? Yeah, well, it could yeah. be from all the heat, too. It's hot. It's crazy. It's like 100 and some degrees here today, 105 degrees. Yeah, it was mid-90s in Scranton today. That's crazy. 
It's hot. Were you out? Were you working in the quarry today in that heat? Yeah. So it was nice, hot, calm, humid. Heavy good day. Fun times. Did those flies yeah, go good away? Day. Uh, at the house, no. No. <laughs> They're just as bad. <laughs> so shooting sucks. <laughs> I looked at I looked at one of my arm today, and while I'm shooting, I looked at it, I'm like, wow, that's weird. That's a red one, and I'm like, oh wait, no, that's all my blood. <laughs> that's funny. Sucker fattened yeah. right up on me. <laughs> well, hopefully down at hopefully we won't have them to deal with down at uh, down at Pendel. Um, let's see here. We got a couple of comments. Let's see here. Ted says both are shooting on the move. Just disagree on the movement. Um, Ted, I I don't. A passive aim calms down. I, I I don't. All all pins, Olympic recurve, compound or aiming with the tip of the arrow is moving. Like you have to accept it. That's the thing. That's where the struggle is is people won't accept the move of whatever the aiming device is. You need to accept it and don't focus on the, the tip of the arrow. Focus on the tension at full draw. Focus well, on the, the, th- the thing with the passive uh, aiming, it, what, what it does is prevent you getting uh, gun shy, like uh, panicky on like, you know, doing drive-bys and stuff. It, it kind of, as long as you stick with it, you won't get drive-bys. Right. Well, you're committed to, if you're committed to the hold and a steady bow arm per se, you know, that, that, the, the follow through after the shot is indicative of what's happening during the shot. If you're able to hold your bow arm still after the shot, it means that during the shot that you were solid. Um, but if your focus is on the tension of your fingers and not this big, huge movement, just the tension on your fingers and letting that string pull through, then you won't be obsessive over the tip of the arrow trying to hold it still or aiming hard. Um, Bead says, Bead, Bead's online. He's, he's, he's all sorts of happy because he, he got to actually join in one. Because <laughs> the arrow goes somewhere else, even in the perfect middle hold. Yeah, Bead, we, we, can't, we cannot force ourselves to hold the tip of the arrow perfectly still in the middle. If you do, you're inviting target panic. Um, Ian said, Ian Burchell says, I thought a drive by you are moving through the release point, passive, you are floating around it. Um, I don't think uh, I'm not sure if you understand a, a, a drive by, you could be moving through the release. I guess what that's one way. Um, I think my my description of a drive by, if you I've always had a pretty good anchor. But what I, I used to do is I would get like within, instead of getting to the bottom of the gold for indoors, I would get to like eight and a half and then I'd get stuck. And then what I would try to do is just move it that little bit and then time the release at the same time. And it was this, big movements, big movements. Um, Grayson commented about Ted, Ted's comment and said, I think the drive-by your trying to time the release when the arrow's in the right spot. With passive aiming, you're letting the arrow float. There's no aiming, and the shot just goes during the float. I, that's a great, I think that's a, a great way to describe it. And if you guys, I mean, we haven't seen Grayson shoot him forever. Um, but Grayson has, like, Grayson, if you're listening, or if you can, comment on how your float is, because his float, like, he doesn't move. Like, you don't see much of movement at all in the bow arm, in even the release hand. It's a little bit more dynamic than what yours is, but not much. Um, well, yeah, he's, he's young and strong and full of HGH. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, let's see here. Oh, he's still commenting on the other one. Yeah, I don't know what jumping to the target is, Paul. I, I never really, uh, I, 
I think well, uh, I think he's talking about how uh, you get stuck and then you just try to flinch it in there. Oh yeah. But that's not that's not really drive by. Drive by is more like it's the arrow's tips coming in, and you anticipate it going towards the middle, and then that's your trigger to let go of the arrow. Yeah. I get it. It's a matter. Oh, Ted said he thinks it's a matter of semantics and difficulty differentiating between floating and movement, as floating is not movement. Floating isn't intentional movement. It's just the movement that happens. I, I, you, you just have to accept the float. You know, John said it early on. And when we started the podcast, he said about um, enjoying the aim. Don't focus on the tip of the arrow. Literally deliver, like almost deliberately ignore the tip of the arrow. Stare at the target. Your subconscious will allow it to get to the middle. It's really kind of the same concept of your shooting compound or Olympic recurve. It, it truly is. With exception to your focus isn't on that big dynamic movement because big dynamic movements reproduce dynamic movements in the front. Um, you know, we uh, we talked about that a little bit too with Olympic recurve, how by nature of their equipment, their sight, long stabilizers, that extra weight, their bow arm has to move significantly to get out of the way of the bow. So that backside movement will start happening too. I have lightning here too, by the way. You're gonna make yeah, it on there. I'm just making sure the clouds aren't getting that close because <laughs> I still gotta go and do my Walmart shopping. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Paul Helm said just about the same thing. Grayson said his float is very minimal. I don't have a ton of movement, but I also don't place a lot of my focus on it while running the shot. So again, and I, maybe you can also comment to Grayson, if it's, you don't have a ton of movement because you don't, you don't focus on the aim as much. You just focus on that, holding that tension. That's been the, that has definitely been the game changer for me is getting away from focusing on the aim just focus on the tension on my fingers and, you know, and then do blind bail and drills and stuff to try to reproduce the release so that it becomes repeatable. And like you said about the direction, making sure that that hand is just finishing the same boom every time. And I guess by just by common sense, like what's going to be more repeatable, this or this, you know, what's going to happen the same. You can do it. You can have a big, huge release if you want, but it's gonna it's gonna take some time to, to perfect it. That's for sure. Um, let's see here. You've right? All right, Charles. Charles says he uh, he used to do drive by. He started above the goal and tried to time the release when the arrow crossed the goal. So I'm assuming he like kind of let it drop down instead. I think you're still you're still just shooting yeah you're shooting on a move almost the moving target instead of it's a moving aim um i i don't know if i think the struggle is that we see a ton of people that shoot with those big dynamic movements and but i watch you grayson dilly dilly's got a very you know solid bar just a little 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 bit of this but his shot is just so super repeatable and his release isn't huge either. Um, you watch, you know, Frederick doesn't have a big, huge, big, huge dynamic release. Eric Johnson doesn't have a big, huge dynamic follow through. Um, you, you watch these guys that have been doing it for a long time. And then sooner or later, you guys have found like a basic premise of how the shot seems to break the best. And I, I think that goes in phases. I don't think that you can just automatically do it and, and figure it out. I think you need to kind of go back to square one, hold the bow arm still, try to keep the release, and take as, as much out of it as possible. But how about as you're, as you're getting ready for nationals? Now, I know you haven't been shooting as much because of the stupid bugs, but what um, – like you're we're what a week out from getting down to Virginia and shooting what's your focus for this next week 
Mm. Well, I really don't have much time because uh, we're heading down like Monday or something. Oh, are you? Monday night. So I'm not going down. to do some snakehead fishing Tuesday. Oh, that's right. But, you going with Scott? Yeah. But uh, uh, I'm going to try to shoot Pendel this weekend. Well, I signed up for it. Um, unless some freak storm happens, it looks like the weather's going to be really nice. So I'll shoot a double round uh, Sunday. I'll practice probably another 100, hopefully 100, 150 arrows tomorrow, maybe another 100 arrows Saturday while I'm doing other stuff. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Maybe some Monday, but probably not. And then nothing Tuesday and then practice when I get there Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to get that many arrows in. There's no way. I don't have I'll probably do. I'll probably try to do some jaw holds um, Tuesday when I get back to the, the hotel down there. Or, uh, yeah, somewhere down there at the hotel. I'll probably do some jaw holds just so I get stayed somewhat in shape. Because yep. it's kind of weird. You start shooting more poundage, you start losing it pretty quick. A couple days, you start feeling weak again. That that makes sense. That's also one of the reasons I probably shoot lower poundage than – well, I do shoot lower poundage than you do. That's kind of one of the reasons because I don't have the ability to practice and shoot as many arrows. Maybe maybe I can make, make some more time, but eh, we're at the end of the season. I'm not worried about it now. We'll get into indoor here soon. So Yeah. Yeah, um, next next year I'll probably go back down another pound or two and stick with the seven hundreds. This this year I went up another pound, pound and a half and went with six fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said that you had them shooting, but they weren't uh Yeah, I, I had to bump up and wait to I had to bump up and wait to get them because I, I played around with a little bumping up and wait and then I went back down and it was sticking on the fingers again. So I said Screw it and went back up. And and for whatever what he, what John means there is sticking on the fingers because the weight is lower, it's not pulling through quite as fast. And you know, do you get it stick you get what I get is uh the index or the ring finger, you get it stuck on the ring finger a little bit more, just all of them in general. Middle finger. <laughs> I, I won't edit that out. <laughs> For those of you who don't get to watch the live version and listen to the audio version, John, <laughs> it's not the first time. Don't worry. You set me up for that one, so it was a free pass. It was easy. You know, it was easy. <laughs> um, uh, I don't. Yeah. Uh, so Shaz says, "Is my finger finishing right behind my neck considered a big release?" Listen, don't obsess over that at all. Just whatever the same amount of movement you have on both sides, your goal is for your bow arm to not move. Try to get to try to match that tension and direction on the release hand side too. That's all. That's, that's it. There's I, I, you want to talk to somebody that finishes right behind their neck. Grayson does the same thing. John Dillinger does the same thing. Um, I no longer do, but I, I used to really finish back there. It just doesn't work for me. Maybe someday I'll get I'll venture closer to that, but as of right now, I can't do that because I get punchy. So we need to find what your your movement is going to be. It's not there's a best distance that your hand goes on the release that that doesn't exist. You need to find what works for you. If you are not able to hold in the middle, you need to modify your focus so that you can hold in the middle. Hope that makes sense. Um, Grayson says, for me, I put the tip near the gold in my pre-draw. And with all the repetition over the years, by the time I'm at full draw, the tip just ends up in the gold. I've started seeing that myself every once in a while. It stays there and I don't think about it. I make sure the string blur is aligned. Do that as well now. <laughs> I remove extra tension. That's That's pretty crucial, actually removing extra tension and try not to get and try to get the correct balance of tension between bow arm and draw arm. So there we are back in that balance, the notion of balance. When I'm shooting my absolute best, I can really feel the tension in my fingers. Yep. And then when it, and it feels perfect, the release happens. So 
you know, my description, whether it's the same as what John has or what Grayson has, but when I'm coaching or when I'm explaining it to somebody, I explain that you need to be within your conscious mind throughout the beginning of the shot, right until you get into anchor and until you allow the, the, the transfer to hold to happen. If you're using those NTS steps, that transfer to hold, make sure you're holding and you've already, the tip of the arrow is already there. It just makes itself there. Um, once you, but the transfer, there's a couple of things that have to happen in order, in my opinion, for that to really be easy, you need to get that alignment done before you come to anchor. You can't get to anchor and continue to move into alignment. You need to get that alignment done before, in my opinion. Set the bow arm, set the alignment, draw to load, come into anchor. You find what works best for you. If you get it done and out of the way, it ensures that it stays there for the rest of the shot. And you won't have a tendency to creep and get out of alignment um is canting the head over work for anyone who is holding on the spot i don't know i think i think what i dare i dare saying is move the head you know like frederick does john you know how like frederick kind of like draws back and does like one of these i think that's what he's referring to is like moving that head excessively um affect holding on on the middle in my opinion i think it does he, he's doing that for for aiming and hit down the middle yeah it's i mean there's to see over the arrow no, all, yeah it all depends on where you where you anchor on the side of your face like if you're going to be way back here your your eyes going to be like way over from right. the arrow so he puts it right in there right that's yeah why i he, would think but he leans in pretty hard with a lower anchor you would have sort of a, a situation where you, if you want to be over the arrow, I don't focus on being over the arrow. I just focus on hitting the same, um, the same anchor and then my string blur. It's anchor, string blur, anchor, string blur, anchor, string blur every single time. Anchor, string blur, hold. I think the, 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 the people that struggle with the excessive head movement, it, the head movement that I'm talking about is like, you see people come back and you do this, forget Dilly. Head bobber. The head bobber. But, I mean, he does it the That's same his trigger. <laughs> What's that? That's his trigger. That, yeah, it's his trigger. It does settle down. It does settle down, right? Right to the last second. But, man, does he do it consistent. Is it starting to rain? No, not yet. We're, uh, we're on the yeah. – I think I'm – yeah. It's not that far away. Let's see if I can block the, the light. Yeah, Ted actually commented. He said, it looks like JD's being stalked by UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far behind me. Yeah, you could just see you just see the flashes behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think I mean I, I think we 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 covered what what we need to cover, I, at least initially. I think there's gonna be more to this. There's definitely going to be more to this um, as we sort of work through the concepts, but I just wanted to start this series and start giving information to people so that they can at least start working toward more consistency. I, I can't, I mean, you can aim better, you're calmer, your confidence goes up. As soon as you kind of figured out in that, aha moment happens and you're like holy crap this really does work but you have to be committed to that change so like you can't be like well i'm gonna hold my bow arm still but then still do one of these and think that it's going to work you're just you're fighting you're just fighting it's it's you're fighting the cause um just want to open that dialogue start the talk on like how we teach train and shoot the trigger the shot and the things that you need to focus on in order to see improvement. Um, again, like I tried to fight that in the beginning and keep the Olympic release and keep the Olympic bow arm. And it, I, I have to give credit where credit is due. Both John and Grayson were like, dude, just put it in the middle and stay there. 
and I didn't understand that the 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 dynamics of my own follow through were a hindrance on my own ability to hold in the middle. I had to get rid of all of that in order to really learn to aim in the middle with a triggerless shot. That's why you can aim in the middle with a grip sear. That's why you can aim in the middle with a tab sear. That's why you can aim in the middle with whatever you want to use, a clicker. But when you're creating extra tension someplace else, that's why your consistency might drop a little bit, but you at least can aim in the middle. Keep in mind that the idea of getting rid of the extra tension in your shot is is super, super important. So if you're, uh, Steve Oakley says when he shoots the team round, he's just going to grip it and rip it, just so you know. Well, when he shoots the team round, I hope his bow still stays together. <laughs> After that, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, I hope, um, hope you guys have a good night. Thanks for joining us on this kind of like initial discussion. Like I said, we got to open the dialogue and start teaching and talking about how to shoot the trigger of the shot. And when it comes to consistency, you can't argue with uh, um, what John has done, what Grayson has done, and, and hopefully others. So, thank you, everyone, for joining in. John, thanks for taking the time out. Go go finish your shopping. I'll see yeah, you in, I got, uh, it's time for me to, in a few days. It's time, time for me to hang out with, it's time for me to hang out with my people. Your people. People yeah. of Walmart. Yeah. Not sponsored, by the way. Not sponsored. <laughs> yeah. You have a good night. You have a good, you have a good time with all that. All right. Yep. We'll do. See you, dude. Later. All right. Yep. We'll see the rest of you guys um, probably after nationals. Um, probably maybe maybe a coffee talk between now and then. I'm not real sure. Nah, probably not. I got to focus on shooting and, and, and less on podcasts. Um, but if you guys have questions and you are looking for help or information, don't hesitate to reach out um, to me. If I can help you, I will. Um, if you're going to nationals and you want to try to, um, you know, get together on the practice range or whatever, if, if we can, if I have the time, um, you know, don't hesitate to ask. We can we can have a discussion. I will say though, like the week before nationals isn't the time to make a change, unless you like feel the utmost confidence that it's a good one. You have to you have to juggle that decision. So I know as a coach, I would rather see a shooter stay on the path they're comfortable with, because those moments of high personal value changes typically you revert back to old ways and um so just keep that in mind uh for sure those of you who are coming to nationals make sure you come say hi um once again thank you to all of our sponsors of the barrel project and all of our patreon members um you know shameless plug yo star tree products jaeger aae um excess wings and now the awesome Lancaster Archery. Thank you to those guys for sponsoring our podcast. And again, to our Patreon members and our uh, um, our Patreon sponsors too. We have a couple in there and Wiffle Industries is one of them as well. So, all right. Peace out, everyone. Have a wonderful night and we will see all of you in Richmond. Peace. <laughs>